Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gaultieri. Very excited to be back, and as we're traditioning now, November, we can start looking ahead to the winter seasons and the winter sports, and I thought it'd be great to have Matthew Greeson, uh, the head coach of men's hockey at Trinity College, also coaches golf. But uh, let's first talk about hockey. Uh, hockey coming off a great season last year. National runners-up, loses to Norwich University in the national championship game. Uh, first of all, Matt, so happy. Thank you so much for the time, uh, and really appreciate coming on. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate appreciate you having me. I'd like just to begin, Matt, with learning about your life, your career story. You grew up in Maine. Did you, hockey always interest you as number one sport? Yeah, I mean, since day one, my my uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Maine. Uh, one traffic light, in my hometown, um, and uh, my dad was a hockey coach at a little school called Bridgeton Academy. Uh, when I was young, and so uh, he was also a linesman in the American Hockey League, so hockey was kind of in my blood for, from the start there. So yeah, that was that was the first sport that I fell in love with for sure. And then, how does golf come into play there with you growing up as well? You know, my dad actually played on the golf team at Williams back in the late '60s, so we we all it was always a part of our relationship. Um, and so I just started playing at a young age, and uh, never really took it that serious. I was just played in the summer with my dad. Uh, and then, and then later on, uh, started playing a little more and more. And then uh, I played on the golf team at Trinity here while uh, in my time here as an undergrad. Okay, and then talk about playing hockey in high school and how you tradition your recruiting to Trinity and how that all happened for you growing up. Yeah, for sure. I played a little school, North Yarmouth Academy, uh, Yarmouth, Maine, kind of a big fish in a small pond scenario. I got the got some accolades up there and uh but it wasn't the highest level of ice hockey and then I took a post-grad year at the Hill School in Pennsylvania which worked out perfectly for me um boosted the academic profile a bit and uh and played some some better hockey with some really good players and fortunately uh coach Dunham took a chance on me uh out of the hill um you know kind of a unproven uh, commodity uh but he took a chance on me and I like to think it worked out well for him and for us um, and, and so I went from the Hill School down in Pennsylvania to here. Uh, and the, that would have been the fall of 1999. Yes, and then so you, you played up to 2002 at Trinity College. Just talk about your time at Trinity as a player and what it was like to play hockey there as well. You played golf as well, right? I did. I, I didn't play golf my freshman year. I was more just uh, was worried about uh, – making the hockey team and, and being a part of it. And then when I realized I could do the, do both, uh, that's when I transitioned into that. Uh, but it, it was, it was unbelievable experience, uh, for me playing for coach Dunham. Uh, I thought, uh, our, our class, we had a great recruiting class that year. A lot of guys, I mean, we had something like eight, nine, ten seniors. I ended up graduating, which at that time was kind of unheard of for so many to weather the four year storm of college hockey. Um, but we had a good year and, uh, I think we set the nice groundwork for, for some good things that were ahead. You know, the few years after we graduated, they won an SKI championship, went to a couple NCAA tournaments, and I like to think that our our class and our time here had a little bit to do with that transition. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a special four years. You know, the, my teammates are still my best friends, um, and and it's, uh, it's just a special program to be a part of. Um, and I was fortunate, uh, fortunate enough that Coach took a chance on me. And then I'm always interested to hear from coaches. When you, when you come upon graduation, did you always know you wanted to be a coach, or did you think about going into the the working world professionally? How did that all uh, transpire for you, uh, career wise? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, my dad worked at a boarding school, so I, I, I liked the idea of that. So I thought I'd give it a stab. And after uh, teaching a little U.S. history, working in admissions and coaching, the only thing I was passionate about at that time was coaching. And uh, so I figured we'd give that a stab. And um, and it, it, it's coaching is something you can't really dip your toe in the water. Either you're doing it or you're not, because uh, there's, there's not much glamorous about being a low-level coach in this world. Uh, and, and so we went for it and uh, took some pretty big chances, certainly uh, financially suffered for a number of years just to, to live out this dream to try to try to become a coach full time. And um, it was it was a lot of ups, a lot of downs, um, a lot of things that took a backseat during that time. But uh, certainly glad, glad I weathered the storm and glad to be where I am today. And I know you're married to kids. Did they come along as well with you along the ride uh, throughout your coaching journey? So uh, I actually met my wife while I was here as an assistant coach 2007-2009. She was the assistant swim coach here at Trinity. Oh, that's great. Uh, And when I was out the national team, she was the assistant swim coach at Bucknell uh, there in the middle of of Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, I mean... You're, you're coaching 60 games a year. You're going on three international trips where you're away for a week or two at a time. It's never easy. And uh, I, I guess there's that old saying, you know, with coaches' wives, they're either great wives or ex-wives. And <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have a great wife and uh, a great mother to my two children, Patrick and, and uh, Connor. And that's awesome. We'll get back to that in a second. I just want to follow along your career. You went to, you met, you went to Kent School. Uh, coach there, and then you transitioned to the national team. Just talk about that experience. Uh, coaching. It was a special time. I get to. I mean, I, I tell people that's where I really learned the game of ice hockey. I, I had coached for what six, seven years leading up to that time, but I, I, I didn't realize how how little I knew until I got out there, and uh, I, I feel like that was when I really learned how to study, how to teach, how to how to analyze the game of ice hockey. Obviously, I I don't know everything, but that's that's where I started the process of of getting better, I think for sure. And, and the incremental improvements happened out there for me personally as a coach. Uh, I got to work for for a couple of the best coaches in the world, Ron Ralston, um, who coached in the National Hockey League, who's, who's the best hockey mind I've ever been around, Danton Cole, who's now the head coach at uh at Michigan State, um, other you know goalie coaches um, who who I just picked their brain of, and then obviously being with the national team, you got exposure to to some great coaches. So having the opportunity to sit down with some unbelievable hockey minds, the likes of you know I, I hate to go there, but just a few names: Mike Babcock, Tony Granado, Alf Samuelson. Um, just to be able to sit down with them and talk shop for a little bit is just irreplaceable. Um, and 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 I'm just fortunate that I had those couple years out there. And then talk about how you came back to Trinity, how that opportunity arose for as assistant coach you mentioned in 07, 08, 08, 09. Right. It was, uh, oh, to come back as the assistant coach? Yeah. How did that um, transition? How did you get that opportunity to come back? I mean, I, I think it was time, uh, you know, I, I had been at Kennett four years and, and things there were, uh, you know, it was, it was time to move on. And the, the beautiful thing about prep school is that it's very comfortable, but that's also the biggest issue with prep school is that you can get comfortable quick. And, and I could have woken up and 40 years later, I would have still been at Kent school, which would have been okay. Uh, but it was time to go. And uh, there's a great opportunity to, to come back to my alma mater presented itself. And, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to land the job here and, and, and really start recruiting at the college level and, and learn some more things about um, the ins and outs of college athletics. 
and that's a great transition. Talk about what it's like to recruit uh, at Trinity. You learned it as an assistant, now the head coach for hockey. Uh, what goes into that, and you know, how is that different, say, from the schools like a Boston College, Boston University, Hockey East type school, or fans around here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot that's different, but there's also a lot that's the same. I mean, you need to be passionate about what you do. You need to have, uh, yeah, you need to have a great attachment and a belief in in what you're selling. And and there's nobody who believes in Trinity College or or the hockey program more than me. Um, and so when I when I sell it to recruits, they know they know how much it means to me, and uh, and and they know how passionate I'll be about their time here and make and and doing everything I can to make sure make sure they succeed here on the ice, but I think where it differs is, is we're really selling what happens after Trinity uh, and, and the rest of their life and their experiences, the rest of their life and setting them up for a bright future with, with that Trinity degree and the, and the opportunities you can have here at Trinity to, to build that resume and, and get where you want professionally afterwards. And what type of kid are you going after? How, basically, I'm just trying, how does the recruiting cycle work? Uh, can you visit kids? Can you, how does that all work at the Division yeah, I mean, level? you can't visit, you can't talk to kids off campus. So you're, you're a little, you're a little uh, hamstrung in terms of that, in term, you know, because we'll go to a showcase and every other school in the country outside of the NESCAC can line up and talk to these kids. Um, so it's tough in that regards, but uh, again, we, we, where there's a will, there's a way. You find a way, and, and you re, you call them afterwards, and you try to get them on campus. And then once you do get them on campus, I think it's it's always eye opening to to the people that come and, and just see how special uh, Trinity is, see how special the program is, and and uh, see see that the, you know both their academic and their athletic uh, desires can be fulfilled here, and, and that's what we're trying to sell. And then just talk quickly about the facilities for uh, men's ice hockey at Trinity. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, like I said, it was the national team for a few years, and and uh, it's a development model. You're you're trying to get better every day and maximize those players' potentials, and that's the same model I use here at Trinity. I'm trying to get my guys better every day on the ice, off the ice, as, as human beings, and obviously specifically as athletes too. I, I am the hockey coach, so. Um, so we have a great facility. I mean, we, it, it's, uh, it's our 11th season, and it still feels brand new to me. We have a state-of-the-art video room that would rival any teams in the country, D1 or D3. We also have a, a weight room in, in the in the rink. So, you know, those three things, the fact that the ice is down the day they get on campus, the fact that the video room's in place, and the fact that the weight room's there. So under one roof, we have all those things uh, that can really develop you as a player, and that's that's what we're we're here to do. And coach, describe your typical day as the men's hockey uh, head coach. Just, you know, a typical game day day, I should say, uh, during the winter. Oh, game day, uh, you know. Let's say so. This Friday, I'll come into the office normal time, eight eight thirty or so, and just go over some details for the game. Maybe a couple last minute uh, looks at a video, uh, and then we'll we'll get the locker room ready. You know, no. We have, uh, don't have the full-time equipment manager, so we got to get the room ready ourselves as a coaching staff. Um, and then uh, just make sure everything's good to go. Uh, I'll sneak home for a couple hours after the work, after the lunchtime workout. Um, sneak home for a couple hours, try to get my mind off it by chasing the boys around, and then come to come back to the ice, or, uh, come back to the rink around 3.30, make sure everything's smooth to go, especially on the first night of the year. You want to make sure there are no hiccups. Um and then uh, we'll have the hour and a half meeting before the game, and then it's up to them to prepare themselves for the game and 
then uh, see see if the work's been done. See if I've done a good job in the preseason preparing my guys to go compete at seven thirty. That, that sounds yeah, that sounds very very busy, no doubt about it. What a coach! What is your coaching philosophy for an outsider coming in? Uh, are you offensive minded, defense minded? Just give us your macro look quickly, a uh, brief of your hockey outlook as a coach. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of a loaded question, a little bit of a loaded answer. You know, I I, uh, I don't think you can do anything substantial in this game without being defensively responsible. Uh, I don't think you can do anything substantial in this game without having a great deal of talent. So we're trying to recruit talent and, and we're trying to teach them how to play hockey the right way in all three zones. Uh, I don't expect my fourth line to be a defensive lockdown line. I expect them to go out and produce offense the same way I expect my first line to be defensively responsible. Uh, so, I mean, in, in a nutshell, uh, I'll say that my my coaching philosophy is to maximize every player I come in contact with potential on and off the ice as human beings and as hockey players. Um, and that goes with great decisions on and off the ice. That goes with a, a healthy lifestyle. Um, and, uh, and and if people, the ones who have had success here, the ones who won national championships and NESCAC championships have been the ones that have bought into that. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're, that's, uh, that's what we're here to do and continue to do. Obviously a very successful year last year, national finalist. Has your team used this as motivation this year coming up to kind of get over the hump and win that last final game? And what would you take basically from last year? Oh, I take a lot. Um, that was a, that was a special group. Uh, and just the, the people, the character of that team is just some of the most special people I've ever been around and the perseverance, their will to succeed. Um, is special and it's a team that I will forever remember. Uh, they're just just unbelievable people and human beings, and I think their real legacy is is going to be written in the many years to come when they have all the success off the ice as well as the the success they had on the ice this past year. Uh, what that means moving forward, I, I'm not. I don't know. It's hard for me to be a big picture guy when it comes to that. I think the thing we learn is just how hard it is to get there. We've been there two of the last three years. We're one of two programs in the country that can say that, that have been to that final game. Um, and we just understand, you know, the, the inch here, the inch there that it takes to get there. Um, and and our, our focus on the difficult things, our focus on the details is what's going to allow us to get there. Um, I don't think it gives us necessarily a... Um, a, a chip on our shoulder that we lost the national championship game. It just gives us a better understanding of how diligent we need to be in every aspect of the game and end of our lives to uh, to get back there again. Um, we got a few bounces to get there. I mean, double overtime against Endicott. They had a couple empty nets to end our season, and, and they missed them. Um, and so we got a little bit of luck involved too. Um, but uh, but then we we bounced back with a big win against St. Norberts and. And then uh, we played well in the championship game against Norwich. It's not like we didn't show up. We didn't get consumed by the moment. We showed up and we played hard. We played our tails off, and I, and I knew we would with that group of people. It's just it was their day, and they were a great hockey team. So uh, I just want to get it going again and, and start that long road back to, uh, back to the NCAA tournament. And, Coach, let's look ahead to this year. What are the top players, Banter fans, should look out for? And uh, what are we just a general outlook as we – Going into the next year already? Yeah, I mean, I, 
I love our goaltending. Alex Morin is, uh, he got us to the national championship game last year. He's as good as it gets at this level. Um, so it starts there with Alex. Uh, he's getting pushed by two young guys, so that's that's a nice thing to have back there. Our decor is as solid a decor as we've ever had here at Trinity. A uh, good mix of young and old, uh, but incredibly mobile uh, decor, so we should be able to create a little offense off the back end. You know, we graduate almost uh, about 300 points. We graduate the best class in school history, so um, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, finding our way in terms of that secondary scoring. You know, Ty Whitney led the NESCAC in scoring last year. He's back. Anthony Sabitsky was first team all NESCAC. He's back. Um, and, and they're special players. So, you know, they'll, they'll be there to, to, to put, to show up on the score sheet. And then, uh, we'll have a couple others, uh, who will need to emerge. Some unknown, some unknowns out there where last year we had a lot of knowns. It was just a matter of who and when. This year, we're going to have to see who's going to emerge, but I'm confident our guys will find a way. And, Coach, I'm just looking over your roster, too, as well. It's amazing. There's a lot of schools in the Northeast recruit usually Northeast, but you're all over Vancouver, British Columbia, Texas, Arizona, and, of course, you have the New England-types uh, locations. It's amazing, though. It's small school, at least to me, how you really do recruit nationally and internationally. You have to. I mean, you have to. You can, you'll always have that New England because we're Trinity and people know about it, but... Um, you know, you, you need to get outside the box a little bit. You, you stay in, uh, you stay in New England and just recruit New England. You're, you're competing against a lot of other uh, unbelievable schools and great schools that you might not always win those battles against. And you know, you got to get outside of your normal area, get outside of that comfort zone, and and try to reel in some kids from some non-traditional areas. And um, that's our goal in the whole thing is, uh, and that's when we came in here. We knew we'd always have a good Boston, New York presence, but, uh, the real end, you know, the guys from Alaska that we had last year, a couple guys from Arizona, Adam Anderson from Minnesota, um, the good Texas contingent that we've built up. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's something that needs to happen. If you're going to continue to succeed, you can't just, uh, fish in the same ponds the whole time and accept Expect great results. Yeah, that's a good analogy. You're right. What, uh, what schedule-wise, what do you expect to see? Who's a top team that you're going to be facing this year coming here? Well, Adrian's currently number one in the country, and we have them January 2nd. Um, so that's uh, that's obviously a big talent. Hobart's number five, I believe, in the country right now. We play them back-to-back here uh, the, the second weekend in December. Uh, Plymouth State's already beat Endicott. Um, so there's... Uh, uh, there, there are some real big ones there out of conference, so it'll be, uh, it'll be a real challenge. And then any time you lace them up in the NESCAC, it's, it's a, I'm not going to say a coin flip, but a, anybody can win any game on any given day in this league. So, uh, so we got to be prepared, and, and uh, we've got to, we got to be consistent in our execution. And coach, whenever I interview head coaches, I always like to ask about their staff, the coaching staff. Just tell the fans what goes into you with your two assistant coaches, uh, Scott Moreau and Paul Davison, and what they mean to you as a staff. Oh goodness, I, I, you know I've, I've been that, that's why we're we've had the success we've had because I've been blessed with great uh, assistant coaches. Um, Peter Roundy, who's now at Holy Cross, Paul Kirtland, who just left, who's now at. Uh, uh, who's now at uh, the Dubuque Fighting Saints in the USHL, um, and, and I think uh, and Scott's Scott's next in line. He's one of the most special human beings you could ever meet. He's just his experience. I mean, he played eight years pro in the American League in Russia in Sweden. Um, he's a goaltender, so that relationship with the goaltenders, and he comes from 
uh, Moncton Wildcats, is, which is one of the best junior programs in the world. Uh, so, so he brings just a wealth of experience. The fact that he's here is kind of a coup just for us. Um, but he's passionate about what he does. He has an unbelievable way of relating to the kids. Uh, and so I'm, our, our work together is new, and, and we haven't had long together, but I, I, I know he's going to be great, and I'm excited about it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Paul Davidson, who's in, a, I think, his 45th or 46th year with the program, and he's just more behind-the-scenes guy, and he just uh, he's seen it all. So when I get too high or I get too low, he's always there to tell me how, how things should be and how the right perspective to have. and with all the ups and downs that go into his season. He's great with line combinations, and the guys love him too, and they love having him around. Well, I wish you the best of luck with men's ice hockey. I know it will be another successful year uh, with the Bantams uh, this coming winter. Just want to quickly transition, though, as well, to your other sport you coach, golf. Uh, just talk about what a successful year you had this past fall. And people might not know it's a fall-spring season. How, how that all works, uh, <laughs> not, golf? It's, uh... Yeah, it's, it was crazy this fall. We went in a few invitationals. We're ranked number 24 in the country, number one in the Northeast, which is which is kind of crazy for for uh, for us. You know, I, we had high expectations. We got a great group of guys. Um, we uh, and and we won the NESCAC qual, uh, qualifier, which means we host the NESCAC championship in the spring. So, and if we win that, we'll go on to the NCAAs, which would be a special thing for, for those guys. Um, they're a hard-working group. They're very different from the hockey team, but they're, they're just as likable and just as quality people. It's just, it's just a different dynamic, and it's, it's a fun one. You know, I think um, on the hockey bus, I sit up at the front, and I don't, don't really interact too much with them on the bus rides. Uh, but in the golf, golf world, we're in a suburban, and I'm driving, and we're all sharing the same conversation. So my relationship with them is obviously very different than the hockey guys, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a nice balance to have in my life. That, that's interesting. What, what is the main difference between like a golf athlete and a hockey athlete for the coaching perspective, other than the bus rides? Is it just how you coach? Is it differently, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, individual sport yeah. in terms of golf, it's, it's not like I can get on them per se like I would on a, on a hockey player who's flaking off a little bit you know it's more of a conversation it's more a little more hand-holding than uh and and uh just making sure they're in the right state of mind mentally because once they're out on the golf course there's not much I can do uh it's just up to them out there um there's not many tweaks I can make I'm not going to change their swing or anything during the during it it's more just uh, making sure they're comfortable making sure they've uh they're they're staying focused and staying positive and and enjoying their time out there as athletes. So I, I have a question: How do you balance it all, going from season to season, fall, spring, golf, and winter, and then balance recruiting as well with hockey? It seems like you have a lot of stuff on your plate. Yeah, it's I don't know to be. I wish I had the answer. I, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> we're we're swimming against the tide, but we're finding a way to stay afloat. Uh, it's um, it's tough. I mean, we're every other of the top programs in the country have an assistant or two and a head coach route on the road all fall i'm up at middlebury watching golf um or uh, there are other golf teams that we compete against who have a full-time golf coach and and but we've got to find a way and, and i think that speaks to the resolve of our athletes um my, my assistant coaches that i've had being able to go out there on their own and taking real ownership over the recruiting uh, but it's a lot, and and uh, I'm just blessed that uh, we're we're at this stage right now with both programs where 
Um, they're both, you know, premier program in the Northeast for golf, which is pretty special, and a premier program in the nation, which is very special for the ice hockey. That speaks to you as well, but, you know, to balance both those things. How does recruiting work for golf? Is it a little different than hockey, or is it the same? Uh, very different. Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't leave the computer to recruit for golf, really. I go to, uh, I, I more or less answer emails, make phone calls, and just try to, uh, try to cultivate the relationship that way in terms of ice hockey um you know i'm on the road all the time if we don't have a game or on a sunday i'm on the road on that sunday and uh showcases all over the the country all over north america trying to find that um i was actually when you called i was just watching a game from over the weekend online here so it's uh, it's a lot more labor intensive they're recruiting the ice hockey but uh but we find a way to do both and then, Coach, uh, as well, wh- wh- I have to ask you, what's your, what's your favorite course that you've ever played for golf? What's, uh, what's your favorite uh, course? Pine Valley in New Jersey. That has to be it. Yeah, that's consistently ranked one of the top courses in America. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been lucky to play some good ones, uh, but I guess Pine Valley would have to be at the top of that list. Be silly not to say that. And what, what is your dream foursome? If you had to go out on a golf course, say at Pine Valley, you pick three other people. I, oh, my goodness, that's a tough one. <laughs> Oh, Jack Nicholas, you got to start there. Um, Wayne Gretzky and uh, my dad. There you go. You f- family, golf, and hockey, right? That's that's there got it you, is. You, we we, uh, we packed it all in there. And that's a great transition, Coach. Last question from me: What do you like to do outside of uh, when you do have some free time with your family outside of sports in Trinity College? Yeah, I mean. Family is obviously very important to me, very important to my wife. My wife's one of six, so we spend a lot of time uh, down in New Jersey with her family and all of Patrick and Connor's eight cousins. Um, and so we just we just really value the, the time that our families can get together, and then we'll shoot up to Maine to see my folks and my sister and, and their niece. So that's, that's what we try our best to do, is, is to pack in as many birthday parties and baptisms and uh, whatever other great life events we can we can get to, that's what we try to do in our free time. Well, Coach, thanks again for the time joining us here on the Bantam Spotlight Podcast. Right on the, we wish you all the best for another great hockey season, and I'm confident you're going to win another national championship this year. Uh, that's nice of you to say. I sure hope so. We're going to do everything we can, um, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to get to know us. All right, Coach. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you. Good.